This is the GPL Podcast from GopherPuckLive.com. This podcast is sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 100. Oh, sorry. 221, not 121. There he is, Viggs. It was a fun weekend. I think one of the funnest weekends we've had in a long time, even though it was a win and a loss, but man, that was a fun weekend. Great crowds both nights. Great atmospheres both nights. Both games delivered. I thought both teams played pretty well. We saw a lot of great things from Minnesota over the two nights. And just a... Looking forward to the season ahead with the teams on the ice right there. Well, before we get into this weekend series, we've got one of our favorite guests back on the air this week. Paul Capanegri is joining us. There he is, Cappy. How's it going, kid? Good, man. How are you guys doing? You guys look fresh. Like, you just, you know, I, I think well, well, with the farm and, and you. A little brighter, maybe. Maybe because you had the nice weather last weekend, you're looking a little more fresh. You're not like looking like winter weary right now. <laughs> oh, I hope not. That's too early to be winter weary. Yeah, yeah we haven't got a lot of the wind chill yet. Storms. <laughs> oh, that's tough. That's sorry tough. to bring that kind of. You know, I didn't want to bring any negative. Yes, energy, yeah, because get back to the positive. Hey, Cappy, saw them surveying the rink. They're they're about ready to put the boards out for the outdoor ice. They had the surveying equipment out already because they know, you know, once there's frost in the ground, that job gets a lot harder. So it, it's coming whether we like it or not. <laughs> well, you get a long season at least, right? Like I've had some friends uh, do it in some areas where they only get about a month and they put a lot of work in and they don't get the use that you guys get up there because it's not cold enough, you know, for a long enough stretch. So, you know, it might get cold, but at least you get to use those rinks for what three, four months at least, right? Three months these days. It's, three months. The season's months gotten solid. a little shorter. That's still that's a good solid chunk for how much work you got to put in. Yep. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, Cappy, we had a fun weekend this past weekend. It, it was insane. Really. <laughs> I mean, the crowd was crazy. I, I was telling I was telling Vigo that I was getting warnings on my watch about. Audio warnings. It was too loud for a <laughs> long period of time. Um, so I, we missed that that rivalry four times a year, Cappy. Sure. I mean, that's what you want in college hockey. That's mm-hmm. If you think about it now, three of their last, what, six home games have been like that. If you count the Big Ten championship yes. game. And uh, that's what you want, right? That's, you know, when they brought Bob in to kind of – you know, rejuvenate things and and get those rivalries going again. Um, that's what you're looking for. I mean, Mariucci's a big place uh, for college hockey, and you, it's I, 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 
the one year when when they beat me at Wisconsin to win the Big Ten championship on the last game, it was pretty full, maybe like eight thousand eighty-five, and I was I was between the benches, so I could feel all that down there. And I was like, I was like this place is just a monster when it's got this. So I, I think the students are consistent now there, which is great. Mm-hmm. That's always going to bring that. Um, but now, yeah, everyone's not. You don't hear any complaining about ticket prices and all that stuff when you're winning and and playing entertaining games. You know that you don't. You're not hearing that much right now, which yeah. is great. Well, one interesting thing, Viggs, is that. Two sold-out games, uh, more than 10,000 tickets sold. I was still surprised at the number of empty seats. I think we had like 1,200 Friday and close to 2,000 on Saturday. So that part I was still a little, a little disappointed in. I mean, you compare that to the Big Ten Championship, which had you know cheaper seats and five sections of students. That was a little crazier in my mind as overall crowd. But I, I was just a little disappointed that a lot of people didn't show up. Yeah, I mean, Ian in the chat here has got MEA as an excuse for people who didn't go. You know, there's also people in high school football playoffs or soccer playoffs or volleyball playoffs that are going on. You know, when you have people buying tickets months ahead of time for an event, there's always going to be a, a redemption rate issue. You know, I think it's encouraging that it was only, you know, around a thousand or so for each game. Usually, uh, Minnesota's been seeing 20% of tickets don't get used. And so that's why you want to try to create a, a standing room only yes. ticket allotment. That's and why you want to have standing. those students. There were a lot of people standing and didn't go find those individual seats. I, and I, I think, think people the students like that area, area, right? I think I people, people like that area, right? Standing and talking with their friends and hanging on the railing. A lot yes. of people like doing that. It's a good view up there. It's definitely a good view. And, you know, maybe some of the rink changes and, you know, the, the ice changing next year, maybe some of the seating changes. In, uh, in in two years, Viggs, it might lend it more to some of those that standing crowd. Yeah, I think they're going to try to create some different areas for people to have, you know, bar top tables or, you know, lounge type seating right around the rink, which could be fun. Uh, but I thought it was a great crowd. I thought the crowd was into it. I commented uh, to a couple of people. It kind of felt like one of those state tourney games when you've got two yes. giant fan bases in the building because every time your team was touching the puck, there was just a little buzz, a little atmosphere, like this could be the play that gets our team ahead or puts us back into it. And then there's a turnover. And then the other half of the building gets that that feeling <laughs> and that excitement. And the students were just great. And ever since COVID, students for every University of Minnesota event has been phenomenal. Football, hockey, the, the students show up and they're loud and they make a big impact on the game. Well, let's get into the actual game, Viggs, and uh, talk about game one. Uh, first, let's hear kind of what uh, Bob thought of the game. Well, overall, I like how we played tonight. Um, you know, we, 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 got, we got knocked around the first 10 minutes. Our D were fabulous tonight, breaking the puck out for the last you know, 40 minutes of the game, 45 minutes of the game. Um, our forwards were better. Um, but still, we got, we got some things to show to our forwards. Um, but overall, great atmosphere, fantastic. You know, and, you know, so it's a hell of a battle with this program. So I would say um, maybe that first game, the hero of the game for North Dakota was definitely Drew DeRitterviz. Yeah, he's had a lot of experience playing for Minnesota, coming from Michigan State, knew what to expect. 
I, I think he maybe got a little bit more pressure in this weekend than he was used to. Uh, you know, North Dakota didn't quite have the structure that Michigan State would put out in front of him, and he was very accomplished over the whole weekend. He, he was calm. He froze a lot of pucks. He put pucks in the corners, didn't give up a ton of rebounds throughout the weekend. But I was just really impressed how Minnesota, again, had a 10-minute game from their opponent on a Friday night of a big series, and they answered the bell. You know, the same thing against Minnesota State. I thought the Mavericks really pressured them hard for the first 10 minutes, and the Gophers were able to withstand that pressure and come out of it, you know, pretty pretty healthy. And I think a big part of that is the, the veteran decor. They're able to get puck retrievals and break them out, and they don't get caught in their own end for long stretches of time. And I think that's been evident in two big tests so far. Um, Cappy, one thing that uh, I think, you know, even Viggs noticed and quite a few of us noticed in that first period, Minnesota was kind of flying against North Dakota, but boy, they still have a tendency of wanting to get that extra pass pass and getting a little too fancy. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I think it's been, you bring in a guy like Snuggerud, right? Because he's like just a shoot first type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's always something that happens at home a little bit more. Okay. I, 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 everybody says it, you know, teams get a little, you know, let's keep it simple on the road, right? Uh, at home, I, I don't, and I don't think it's like, a, oh, I really want to make the play in front of my girlfriend or, you know, not like that. But it's just, I think you get it in your, it's a kind of natural thing that happens. You know, oh, I'm going to make that, that sauce pass over that stick. Instead of getting this boring shot on net, you just kind of accidentally get caught up in that sometimes playing hockey. It's just a weird thing. And it's, it's really unexplainable, but uh, you know, I got to see a good, you know, <laughs> I saw the stick toss. That was perfect timing, you know? Um, but I, I just, I just like the way Minnesota's playing, you, you know, and you guys said it and they're, they're veteran decor. You just don't get that anymore of having these juniors and seniors that are first and second round draft picks in the NHL that, easily could be playing in the NHL right now back and you're seeing that's just where their core of their team is going to be all year as kind of like, okay, we might struggle with scoring, but our, I think our D is going to be that consistent base and, and Justin and that. So uh, they're always going to have, I think they're going to have that all year long to rely on. And Friday night Viggs, um, Nye's kind of got off the schneid, you know, um, it kind of became his game when it got to overtime and, and, uh, Faber fed him the puck and, uh, he turned on a dime, put on the jets, made a great play to the net and, and won the game for him. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I, I heard some reports out of Toronto during the summer that they didn't think Nye's skating was, was a strength. And for me, for a guy that size to be able to put that move on another big player and drive to the net and beat him in a situation like that shows me a lot about his skating ability. Maybe it doesn't look good in, you know, the NHL, you know, open ices or working on edges and stuff. But when you see him make that kind of power move in a game situation where it matters, it looked pretty darn good to me. He's got to find ways to to create offense, bringing the puck to the net night in, night out. I think sometimes he gets caught up in the cycle and making plays along the wall. And I just don't think he's had a ton of chemistry with his line mates so far. But you see a little glimpse like that, and you're just like, there is a lot there still to be tapped. One thing that was interesting also about this game, uh, Viggs, is that uh, Minnesota needed to come back and score late 
to tie the game and just to get to overtime. Um, I don't remember seeing a lot of that against North Dakota in the past. <laughs> Well, it's funny, uh, Brad Schlossman was talking about it, that North Dakota's had a hard time closing out games at Mariucci. And he was able to, you know, pull out of his memory banks like four or five games where Minnesota has been able to come back at the end and and take care of the Fighting Hawks. And, and Mason Evers, you know, came in off the bench, extra attacker, beaver tail slapping away on the ice. He got the puck. And North Dakota was just a split second late trying to adjust to him. And maybe they got a stick on it at the end. But he came through with a big goal, and and Nevers is getting a lot of praise from the coaching staff. Yes. I don't think it's necessarily something that the fans see or or even we've seen, you know, as much. He he gets a lot of praise in practice, but it hasn't seemed to translate to the games quite as well. But he is one of the guys that's picking up the penalty kill the best, and you know he's chipping in some offense too now, which is something they're going to need. They're going to need depth throughout their lineup. All right, well, three to two overtime victory game one. Game two, a little different, Viggs, and let's hear how Bob thought about it. Well, that was uh, unfortunate four or five minute segment where we we gave it, I mean, we absolutely dominated for 55 minutes, and then we took penalties after whistles. After whistles. and we let them back in the game. And then I'll give our guys credit because, you know, outside of that little that little window, our guys battled tonight. And we, we played, we some, played good some good hockey. It's unfortunate. unfortunate uh, uh, that that, that, that turned out the way it did. But Now, Viggs, he was uh, definitely frustrated with the penalties. You, I mean, his voice was like, you know, after whistles. He, he was a little more animated this than this weekend about things like that. Well, I think it's frustrating for Bob. He's generally coached teams that are the lowest in penalty minutes and giving up power play opportunities across the country. That's kind of one of his, you know, DNA blueprint things is don't take bad penalties. And he addresses them throughout the year so that the guys learn and there's penalties for taking penalties. And I think with a young team, we saw, you know, Pitlick throwing the stick which was just a misconduct. It wasn't a minor penalty, although I think it definitely got North Dakota going. But then you had Cal Thomas making a bad play against the boards where you know you just put yourself in a position where the referee is going to make that kind of call. Um, you got Chesley getting a little stick penalty. Then you have Cooley you know, grabbing the face mask. You know, Those are big momentum-turning kinds of plays that, that Bob just does not like. He hates offensive zone penalties. He hates stick penalties. He hates after the whistle penalties. And so the one bright spot out of this is that they were able to come back and send the game to overtime. And that's what you like to see as a coach, even when they have like this little lapse in discipline, they were able to rally back and and recover, which is encouraging. One thing that was surprising to a lot of fans, Cappy, was – Moscow decided to start Martiskevich for game number two. I know Vigo's got some feelings yeah. on this, but uh, a lot of us were quite surprised by that. Uh, I, I mean, I I was, uh, but but I you know I you know think about it, and I, you know everyone's going to have their opinion, but this team isn't. It's October. They're not. I don't think they're at any point they're going to be fighting for a pairwise position of like 12, 13, 14. 
Hey, this is whatever. Hey, this team is too good. I, I I'm. Uh, hey, I can say it. It's I, you know, it's not. I'm just calling it the way I seen this team play so far. Um, that they're not. That's not what he's thinking. He's thinking I gotta check now. If personally, I would have had him play against Lindenwood probably in the second game, maybe. Well, but he did. He did. And, and he did, and he did get but that he, but one. He, he, he okay. I, well, then uh, I, I didn't know he played that game. I thought Close played both yep. those games. So, yep. um, yeah, maybe a little more puzzling. But you know what? Hey, you lost your goalie last year in January. Everyone thought the season was over, mm-hmm. and you know Justin hadn't had any time really before that. And then he comes in there, and now he's now he's un, un you know you'd be lost without him. It's it's just crazy how that happens. And uh, hey, it was a weird that was weird five minutes that happened. I, those oh, pucks. Geez. It was a weird. It, it wasn't it, like it was. he was whiffing on pucks. Maybe you know with Justin in there. over him. It was really weird. Yeah, that that first that goal, true. even that Blake goal, was a weird one. Like I don't know, it, like he kind of it got deflected. I'm pretty sure it was going far side and went short side. So I mean. I think that's going in on most goalies, to be honest with you. So for me, hey, this and, and what they did, they ended up getting a whatever the thirty-three percent, whatever the hell. It ended up even out like a split essentially for the weekend. Um, frustrating for fans, I'm sure, but oh, in yeah. the long run, in the long run, it's not, it's not, it's not as bad. You're not going to remember that come February, <laughs> or you will if he's had if he's had pressed to come in. And he's had a little experience, thankfully, and, and he's prepared him a little bit. And I think it was the recruiting thing I heard about. Like, I, maybe I don't know, one of you guys or, or that talked about it. Like, we got to know what we have in this guy. Do we need to bring in another goalie type of thing next year? I mean, hey, these coaches, man, they're they're thinking not. They're thinking yes. the next minute, the next hour, then the next day, and then six months from now, all that stuff. So there's a lot going into it. I know you've got some thoughts on this, Viggs. A lot of people were hitting you up on Twitter this weekend, but let's just hear about uh, what Bob actually thought about it after the game. Can you walk me through your decision to start Bartow over close? Wanted to give him a we wanted to give him a shot. We love, you know we we wanted to get him in there. That's all I can tell you. I think you said something about after the Minnesota State series that you need to get these young guys experience in games like this and on conference to develop your program. Is that part of what goes into things like that? Absolutely. And, you know, it's still, I, you know, I still, it's a long season. It, it hit six shots until we, we put it, like, we kind of hung a bunch dry there, you know, and I, I feel bad for him. Uh, it was kind of a good game for him to feel it, like, you know, and cruise through the game. But um, then we we did some things in front of him that you shouldn't do. You shouldn't do. Viggs, I noticed he had a little, kind of a little smirk for you when you asked that question. Um, because he's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, a little eye contact not to there. Say anything. He was he's trying not to, but not there's, there's to a little, kind of little the, smirk the, I could see the, there. That Wiley Pro Vigo got it out of him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Carter <laughs> Scavage, he's a goalie that kind of bailed out the Gophers last year. Mm-hmm. They had a goaltending situation with Lafontaine leaving. And close being the guy. Brennan Boynton was not going to be an option for Minnesota. Much like Bob Motzko and Jared Moe did not see the eye to eye. Same thing with Boynton. Like he just was not going to be an option for the Gophers last year. 
So and two other guys have started in front of him at AIC. Right. He hasn't played at AIC yeah. either. So there's there's something there, whatever it is. So so Bob brings in Bardo, who is a pro style goalie. He's a big body guy. He's he's all the things you look for in physical attributes with the size, the positioning, the athleticism. You know, there there's a project there for him. But he's a young goalie. He needs to play games to improve. As, as much as people think that you can practice and get better, the goaltending position is very different. You have to see live pucks. You have to see adversity. You have to give up bad goals. You have to be in front of a crowd. These are things that are important for goaltender development. Justin Close, he played, you know, like 60, 70 games a year in Kindersley. You know, he's an older player, mature player. He's he's played a lot of games. Bartoskiewicz hasn't. You know, he's, he's not from a big hockey background. You know, he played in Texas. You know, he played a little bit in the USHL. He wasn't the number one, number one guy. So he's got to get some opportunities in the net. And, you know, they took that away from him by pulling him out of Youngstown last year. And so he needs some games here and there. And it's October and recruiting is underway. And if you need to find a goalie to, to fill in, you know, they've got Weiss, who's the kind of, Oatana kid who's a late bloomer for hockey. You know, he's a football player mainly, I think, in high school, then decide goalies his thing. That's their third goalie right now. So if you're a program like Minnesota, you can't have a bad situation in goal. If you think whatever you have in goal is unclear in the future, you're going to put more eggs in the basket of either recruiting a goalie or looking at guys who are going to be in the portal. And they have to know that. And you're not going to tell that in games against Lindenwood, you know, every, every time. They need to play some big games. And Bob didn't want to do that, putting him in the net at Minnesota State, but at home against North Dakota after they won an overtime game the night before, playing well the last six games, that's a pretty safe situation. And it looked that way up until the penalty. Yeah, up until, well, up or even up until, you know, Pitlick scored and threw his stick up over the man the glass can we just have can we just have some fun no i i get it it's probably like they probably were like i they're probably like did he do that on like they were probably shocked like did he do that on purpose do i put we got to do something about that right but then the guy threw it back on the ice i'm like okay let's just play on the sioux fan you know the hawk fan got his his uh revenge by throwing it back on the ice like a wrigley field throwing a ball back from a home run from the visiting team but yeah, that was, uh, I was unfortunate. I was, I was up in the radio booth because it's a slightly different place where I could shoot and up and down in the ice. I was, so I was right next to Frank and Wally and, and Pat McAletti. <laughs> and I didn't see Pat's reaction, but Frank and Wally, they were like, oh, my God. They were they were sitting back in their seats like, did that just happen? Uh, and then, Viggs, you were uh, even asking, is this something that's going on in the NHL? Am I missing something? Well, here? I'm asking if it's something in the video game. Because okay. oh, okay. Zegras and Hughes have done this after overtime right. goals as part of their celebration. Right. They overtime. go over and throw in the – it's overtime, so the game's over. Overtime so game over, right. So I was trying to think, you know, NHL 23 just came out for the PS5 or whatever version we're on right now. I'm 43. I'm not as – hip to that as I was 20 years ago when I was playing the games. But I remember back then there was a update made to the series where after you scored a goal, you could do sellies. So you could do like the archer, you could do the kayak, 
you could do the magician. Like there are all these celebrations you could unlock the swordsman. And so Timu shotgun thing, or <laughs> yes, you could throw your glove up in the air and shoot it. You right, know, there's right, all kinds right. of cellies that you could unlock in the game. And so I'm just wondering, did NHL 23 just come out and the kids have been playing it and there's a throw the stick in the stand celly and pet looks like I'm doing that against North Dakota. I'm doing it. Not I thinking of more, the consequences. I think it had more about him thinking I should have scored long before this. It was his first goal of the season. Um, Maybe he just felt like something's off his back. But he obviously got the 10-minute misconduct. Um, got out uh, roughly two to three minutes, something like that, left in the second. Didn't play. Then he didn't play Viggs through 15 minutes, roughly. Yeah, he was stapled to the back bench. He was. Next to Ben Gordon. <laughs> and he was you sitting know, back Just too. taking it in. He was sitting back. But you've talked about um, presence and attitude and like kind of coach kind of waits a lot of times and he's thinking, you know, he's sitting back. He's not thinking he's going to play. If he's leaning forward into the game standing, maybe I should put him in there. It turns out Pitlick was just sitting back. Um, but Motsko, after he lost Cooley, um, had, he was running short on lines and short on energy. So he had to throw him back out there. And boy, VAC came this close from scoring about seven seconds after he jumped on the ice, which would have just been nuts. Um, but just thinking that I don't think he would have played unless they were not short on players. Yeah, I think once Cooley was out of the game, you know, the bench is short. They're getting a little fatigued. You could see during the third period, North, North Dakota started going to their cycle and they weren't even really looking to put pucks on net. Nope. And it was a situation where the Gophers just didn't have the legs to go end plays and get the puck back. So that was in a tough spot. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking back to Kevin Fiala and how the Wild treated him and how he yes. got benched sometimes at the end of games. And and their coach basically said, well, I want to see how he was going to react personally. You know, is he going to sit there and pout, or is he just going to say, well, I might not be playing, but I can support my teammates. And once he saw that, he put him in the game. Now, I don't think that's what Bob was doing. I think Bob was going, ah, we're looking tired. We could really use a guy like Brown or Rhett out there. And and it almost paid off. If he would have done maybe a little bit louder beaver tap like Nevers, maybe we would have seen goals like that in back-to-back nights. Cappy, have you ever done yeah. anything stupid like that in a game? Or, or what is something stupid you've done you're thinking, what the hell was I thinking? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have a long enough show for that. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I've never done a celebration really that I can remember. Maybe anything just like kind of like a to the crowd or something. If you're on the road, the student section, like Cornell has a really fun student Kessel. section. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote one story when I was playing. We we're playing Cornell. It was the day of Ohio State Michigan football game. And we're playing them that night and Saturday. And Michigan beat us at noon, you know, noon game, whatever. We come out for warm-ups, and the Cornell band is playing the Michigan fight song as we enter the ice for warm-ups. Okay, and, you know, that's, and then, so, that's and pretty damn of, good. Yeah, it was funny. Like, I mean, I'm, 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 you know, I laughed. I'm like, you know, I love that kind of stuff. Like, when other, but you want to be able to give back to them. And, you know, we end up beating them, and, you know, you could taunt the fans a little bit. So, you know, it's it's give and take with that. That's a whole different story. This dick toss, I was like, you know, I have seen it. Like you talked about, I've seen those guys toss them. Yes, and over time, a game is over 
mistakes are done. Um, but we're, we're in that world where we see everything and we copy what we like, you know, and he, you know, the emotion of scoring a big goal, uh, he lost it. I'm, I'm sure he won't do that again, you know, <laughs> based on the punishment and I'm sure the coaches spoke to him. And I think it's something where like, it's, it's, it'll be, it's a good lesson to get in October, right? Vig's not in February or March. So, um, I, to go back to the game and not go on a huge tangent, I just I liked how the game ended because you're watching that and you watch him score the fourth goal and you look at the bench because it goes right to Bob, right? And then you see the players and a lot of players have deer in the headlight eyes like, holy shit, what just happened, right? But they came back. They battled back. They were the better team most of the series, which that hasn't always been the case with when they're playing North Dakota. So I can see Bob's – he's like – I want to punch him, but then I also want to hug him. It's like, it's like both emotion. Like he's like, he's, he's pissed at him, but then he's also happy with him because they, they did some things where you've seen the Gophers get some trouble like that. And then it just goes downhill and they lose six to two. Right. And that did not happen. They came back, they got the, the percentage points, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so I, you know, lessons learned hopefully, but I love the way uh, they came back in that game. Viggs, uh, Matsko used the word battled. And they really did, you know, after they were down, after they were stupid, they really recovered. Yeah, couldn't quite win the game, but he liked what he saw. Well, I think that's the biggest thing we can take out of the last two series for Minnesota against the Mavericks and Fighting Hawks. Those are typically two series where Minnesota has had a tendency to get caught up, showing off their skill and transition. I thought these last two series, they showed their compete. They showed their battle in front of the net, uh, winning second chances with their forecheck. I just was really impressed with that. That's something we haven't seen at Minnesota for, for quite a while. Definitely, definitely. Well, we're wrapping up that part of the season, and now we're kicking off the non-conference part of the season. But before we get into that, we need to hear from our sponsor. Hey, Gopher Hockey fans, Jerry Peters here with First Class Mortgage. Mortgage rates have gone up in 2022. We've seen it on the news all year long, and many first-time home buyers are asking themselves, can I still afford to buy a home? My question is, can you still afford to rent? The Department of Housing and Urban Development recently came out with their American Home Ownership Survey. It shows that the median renter now pays almost the identical monthly payment as the median homeowner. In fact, over the past two years, the national median monthly payment for homeowners has gone up 5.5%, while at the same time it's gone up 10.6% for renters. What does all this mean? It means it's still a really good time to buy a house, and if you're in the market, let me help. My telephone number is 612-940-3291, my email address is jerry at firstclasscorp.com, or go to firstclassmortgage.com and fill out a free online application. Mention you heard about me on the GPL podcast and receive a $500 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. My NMLS number is 480200. First Class Mortgages is 322842. This is not an agreement to lock into an interest rate under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal, equal housing, housing lender. lender. All right. Thank you to Jerry for sponsoring the GPL podcast. 
Well, it's time to play Ohio State, and play Ohio, and that's why we always have Cap Young. He's obviously former <laughs> player, former superstar with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, Cappy, uh, Ohio State's—they're leading the league, six points. They swept Wisconsin already. When we thought Wisconsin really wasn't much, I'm not sure they still are, but uh, at least they're out in the lead so far. Yeah, who who knows, right? With Wisconsin, I feel like the Buckeyes won four games last week, or or they got yes. credit for a, a you know they they swept and then they got another sweep because Wisconsin goes out and sweeps Duluth, which is that's going to be great for pairwise probably down the road. You would think I I, I assume Duluth is going to turn it around, or who knows? But um, the guys that you expected to be their top guys are being their top guys. And then they have a couple, couple of, well, one transfer, I think, and defense that's helped. And then a couple freshmen, um, the two names that obviously stick out, Stephen holiday, uh, holiday's got nine points leading the team. And then Tyler Duke on the back end, uh, whose brother obviously is Dylan on Michigan's a sophomore. He's a U.S. national team. They don't get a lot of U S national team guys at Ohio state. They got him. Um, to go into that decor with Lori and McWard um, to really solidify things. And, you know, it, it all starts in that, you know, Dobish is, I, you call me biased or not, Portillo's right there. I love Justin Close too, but I, I think Dobish might be the most talented. Um, and it's it's showing right now. I mean, his, his numbers are great. And, then he also, and he also had a kind of a stinker at UConn too. And his numbers are still really dynamite. So uh, it starts in the net and, you know, Steve Rollick's, system as as Viggs loves to you know they're very smart they don't make a ton of mistakes um and their power play's been pretty good so far this year they got eight power play goals in eight games so um you know we'll see they're still that team they don't have a, a stars up front they're going to come at you with three four lines but they can all chip in some goals uh they've they're going to get some some guys like said locha the senior he's kind of coming alive at five goals you didn't expect that so you know i think I heard Rollick once say earlier, he's like, hey, I'm just, I just want everybody to get a little more. So if a guy that had five goals last year, maybe he gets eight this year. A guy that had 10, maybe he gets 12 or 13. And, you know, just improve a little bit, and that'll help balance because, you know, losing Georgie from last year is, is really the, the one big link that they lost. Uh, well, like Cabby said, Viggs, it, it starts with Dovish. It really does. He can yeah, shut anybody down. Yeah, I think that's always the big concern when you play a team like Ohio State because they can really frustrate you with their structure if you let them. So they're going to have to find ways to, to get him moving. You know, I thought Dobish got tired at the end of last year and just wasn't the same goalie down the stretch maybe for Ohio State that he was earlier in the year. Uh, so maybe that's something for Minnesota to, to really focus on is have long zone time possessions and try to wear him down a little bit, maybe being early in the year, that's an opportunity for them to attack the Buckeyes. But I, I do think Ohio State is my third team or maybe fourth team in the Big Ten, depending on how Michigan does. I think Notre Dame's the, the clear challenger with Minnesota for the top of the league. But I think Ohio State, they've just got so much veteran depth and I think they're going to be a deep team. And, and Rolick always seems to find a way to figure out what he has on his roster and how to make it work. You know, when he's got skill and, and talent that can get in transition, 
and he finds ways to use those guys and, and use their strengths. When he's got a team that's got a good goalie and good defenseman, he puts in a, a tight structure and a neutral zone uh, setup that really limits other teams. And he's a great coach. And I think he, he knows what he has here and it'll be a big test for Minnesota. Corey asking the day the Govers finally get an NHL bound Dobish slash Portillo is the day they become unstoppable. We thought we had that in LaFontaine, Beeks. He was the goaltender of the year. And he was a drafted goalie, and he was your your prototypical guy. You know, big, mm-hmm. butterfly, positionally sound, very athletic. Uh, that was a, a big surprise when he left. But I think one thing with Minnesota and goaltending, the state as a whole does not produce a ton of great goaltenders. For whatever reason, the community model of Minnesota, you know, you put your best athletes at defense. And Minnesota does a, does a tremendous job developing defensemen. But our goaltending development in the state has always kind of fallen a little bit behind. You know, there's been a couple like Ottinger, you know, was a was a high pick type guy. And I think there's one other that I'm missing. But but there's a lot of other guys like Hunter Shepard was not viewed as a dominant goaltender at Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. He played in the NHL for a couple of years. And then he gets back-to-back titles at UMD. Who saw that coming? So <laughs> I, I think it's tricky to project goalies. <laughs> and uh, and Minnesota definitely hasn't had the elite, elite talent at goalies. They've found some good ones, like, like Shearhorn and Wilcox have been good. But they just haven't had the great, great ones. Lindgren was the other one. Charlie Lindgren was, was good, but I don't think he was deemed like a top, top player. You know, when he was a, a goaltending prospect, he yeah. he was very good at St. Cloud, but he wasn't that kind of prospect when he was when he was coming up. So and what do you Hauser? Would he be the only one? Hauser? <sighs> I mean, there's Hauser. There's Frazee. Back twenty years now. I, you know, yes, even Hauser was thrown under the bus a lot. I mean, it's even famous the old you know KFAN guy, you know Jeff Dubay on here. He was on the podcast many years ago. You know, when he he wins a national championship, Hauser does. The first thing he does when he walks by Dubay, what do you think of me now? Because Dubay was just loved to throw him under the bus. Well, a lot of people like Auber, but it's not like he had I mean, he was in the NHL for a while, Viggs, but it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, even if you look at college goalies, I looked at like the last 10 teams to win national championships it's pretty rare for those goalies to go on and be like NHL stars. Like they, they have a hard time even finding a spot in the NHL sometimes. So it's, it's a little strange college goaltending. Like who would have thought uh, that, that guy at uh, Minnesota state, man, how, how did he do it? Who knows? Hey man, Justin close. Hey, talk about what would be a story. That yes. guy wins the national championship. That is the story of all stories right there. I know you're talking about homegrown guys, and that was the behind mm-hmm. it. But, man, that'd be incredible stuff if he's well, able Col- to Close is a steady done. goalie. You know, he doesn't give up a lot of big rebounds. He's very calm in the net. I think he moves pretty well. The, the one problem, I think, with him is, you know, when there's a lot of traffic or there's battles in, in front of the net and he has to just try to get big. He can only get so right. big, you know, right. and and we saw North Dakota's power play. They got the goal where one time he was kind of, you know, well, that was Bardo, but that that's the situations that a guy like close can get in where they have to think about cheating across. 
Mm-hmm. And right now, right. with the way that go for penalty kill is, that's something he'll have to think about when they're playing Ohio State. Right. Cappy, when is Ohio State going to get a just a normal arena for hockey? Why, you know, why did, why, why, you have why to do did it you have to bring that? Why? Why you have you bring to. that up? I mean, you have to. You know, you know why you more, honestly, you more have to do it, and you guys will respect this because you have it. But you have a national championship, number one ranked women's hockey team playing in a garage. And I'm not afraid to say it anymore because, and I love my school. I went there and all that. But every other program has gotten a brand new building. Like the volleyball team has in wrestling has this beautiful new arena. There's all kinds of new stuff all over the place at Ohio State. And you have a number one Ohio State women's hockey team just won the national championship. You have a a perennial top 10 to 15 yeah. men's team in the last 10 years under Steve Rollick. And there's, there's just, it's, it's not coming. I, and I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not trying to make anyone mad. It's a lot of money. I get that, but it is a travesty that, that, especially the women's team. I don't know. You guys have probably never come near that rink. They're playing in a little, practice rink that could maybe get about a thousand people in it and they are a national championship winning team yeah. and they're the number one team in the country now so i've already got on that it, but you and, fired me up <laughs> nadine isn't nadine merzel is not like a, a quiet coach she's a loud personality she is outgoing i can't believe it hasn't happened with her behind the bench uh, you know yeah a five thousand seat arena. I mean, that's kind of the the standard. I would take days. a three thousand seat arena. That well, let's put it this way. Well, this, well, I've guess, heard let's, this. Let's make something for both teams. Right, but because, what I've heard. Sorry, it, you're not going to fill a fifteen thousand seat arena with the men's team either. At least not now. No, no. I, I, I the one, the last rumor I've heard, and I'm so sick of hearing this stuff, is that they were going to maybe build a two to three thousand seat arena attached to the shot and scene center that the women would play in and then they would be the practice facility for both so that the team would be there. The men's team would be the whole time. And then maybe you'd still play most of your games in the shop, but they would play maybe like their non-conference games early in the year, say against whoever they get, the men would play, you know, Bentley who they just played. If they came next year, they would play in that small arena when they know they're not going to get crowds. Um, but I don't, I, it's been all rumored, you know, it's just, you got 90 million. <laughs> I mean, they you know, do have the money, program but they just don't us. feel, of course they do. They just, Hey, I, you know, I, no, I know I've fought it for so long. I mean, Keep Hey, fighting, man. everything, everything about the Schottenstein center is great. Aside from you're in too big of a place. Like the locker room's great. The workout facility, everything is great. Except for you don't get the, you know, the, Good vibes, the reason you know, I college style that, vibes. You know, I bring it up because how great would it be? You've got number one men's team coming in this weekend. You've got number two women's team coming in this weekend. Yep. Those games could have great atmospheres for both games. Well, instead, they're going to play them about at the same time. The men are going to play in this gargantuan place. And the women are going to play in a right. dump at the same time. So, you know, people can't even go watch both games. Um, and I was just thinking how, how great would the atmosphere be this weekend for both? If you had like an, you know, like a double header, an afternoon and evening game and, and the men's team, because 
you you get a 4,000, 5,000 seat arena, that place is going to be hopping, Cappy, but you got four or 5,000 right. in that cavern, it's just not going to work. Yeah. And, and you know what's funny is they've gotten great, like the Gophers, their student section is, I'm almost jealous because we did not even have one back then. And we actually got good crowds. Like we were post Christmas, that bottom bowl was full, you know, because we had a good team and I, it was different then. We had NHL guys on our, you know, we had some names on our team back then, but uh, the, the student sections are, is really great back there now. So I, I, I think it's going to be a lot like that this weekend where you're going to get a bunch of students in there. I think they're trying to do some promotions. Um, but then, yeah, you're, it's, it's late October, man. People are thinking about Buckeye football, even on a Friday night. You know, I, I, it's like people have their, okay, it's this, this season now. Then it's hockey season yeah. this time of year. I mean, I think, hey, I don't think they're going to have terrible crowds. But it won't be like eight or nine thousand that you might see in February, like last year when they were there um, playing the Gophers. Bob, Bob did more exciting Vigs. Bob did say at availability today that his team had no problem getting up for the Mavericks. They had no problem getting up for the Fighting Hawks. And then he didn't quite go forward, but he said energy is going to be important this week for our team. We're going to have to figure out a way to bring our own energy. He could feel it in practice on Monday that just everything was a little down. Maybe it's because they had to watch Rhett Pitlick skate Herbie's or something. Cause he did say he was going to address that on Monday and they felt bad for their teammate, but you could just tell that their, their energy level is not quite up to where it could be. And so that's going to be an issue for them on, on Friday and Saturday at, Ohio State. I kind of wonder sometimes with a place like that, I'm not as familiar with the campus as I am in the University of Minnesota, but at the University of Minnesota, it is hard to find a place to do a construction project. They, they kind of have to go find plots of real estate to, to do projects like that. I know St. Thomas, as they're looking for a site for their rink, they've been shot down all over, and it sounds like they're going to have to tear down some dorms and build a rink on campus and just deal with their own neighborhood for that. It's going to be a parking and transportation mess, but that looks to be the the place where they're going to have to build their rink. But is there a situation like that at Ohio state with, with how things are going? You know, I don't, yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> um, there's land out there just, just past where the hockey hockey's kind of lined up along with like baseball right there. And then behind it, now you'd be a little farther away. But there's plenty of parking there, and the students can find their way to get there. They nowadays with transportation and whatnot, um, they make it pretty accessible. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I know what's back. I'm not there. trying to make the, excuses for them. I, no, no, I, I don't know what the politics is of it. Of you know, like because what I know from what I've been told, um, where all that, all the old ice rink where the the women play, then they have the uh, these old, these very old facilities, the, the former basketball slash volleyball slash wrestling. And they still do the skull session there for the football pregame. The, those places are ancient and you'd love for them to demolish them and do something else. But from what I've heard, if they bust those down, they are not, they don't belong to the athletic department anymore. So it would not be there to build sports facilities is what i've been told and i don't know what they would do at st john's st john's an old classic building i don't think they want to knock that down that tradition of football and the skull session there as they walk through uh, the players walk in there and they play 
on the way to the game is like a, the biggest tradition at Ohio State, aside from dotting the I. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. I honestly, and I, you know, I, I appreciate you asking me because you got me all fired up at late at night, which is fine. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I go in and know I have friendships. I, you know, JD Bittner was a teammate of mine. So, and I, you know, I see Steve Rollick and we'll, I'll go in and have a chat and they'll, they'll say, well, we saw this and, you know, and, but they get mad too. Cause you know, it's it's just frustrating because it's not all about just hey, build it. You know, the pol- the politics of the money and everything is just it's and, a lot. And the it's, thing it's is, not easy. Every team is going to do it. Every coach is going to say it. Our facilities stink. We need better facilities. It's kind of the thing to do. But you really need you need that that corporate. You need that fan. Right. That you need a famous sure. a Terry famous Pagula. something like that or. A famous player that goes yeah. on, you know, the NHL Network, so talk about it and says, "Sure, you do." Just some other type but, of pressures because Vegas coaches are always going to say that, no matter what. Well, every every school wants to make upgrades. You know, Mary, she's yeah. getting upgrades for a long time. It was the locker room, and the then it was the training facilities, and now it's going to be the ice size. And I think you just have to try to keep up. And I think the contracts that the Big Ten is signing for their TV deals eventually will trickle down and, and handle some of these issues because with Minnesota, they're not getting donors for this next round of upgrades at Mariucci. It's, it's coming from that TV money. So I imagine eventually Ohio state's going to be in the same situation. And you know, the tricky thing about it is the facilities aren't bad. You know, it's like, well, at least for the men, you know, everything at that arena is first class. It's just the game atmosphere is what's the missing part. And that can't be quantified. You know, it, you know what? It, it's not the same as say you want, if you're, if you're the, if you're a top recruit and, and this, and this is my school, I don't want to knock this down with the women's team, but you walk into that building or you walk in, if I'm Nadine, I'm not showing, I'm showing these people everything but the rink, like who I'm going to bring you in. I'm taking you to a football game. I'm showing you all the beautiful stuff there. I am not showing you. I'm showing you two minutes of practice and and have the players take you whatever and show you all the great stuff around. And that's just bottom line what it is. I, I There's no way to sugarcoat that. All right, Viggs. Let's talk about the game. <laughs> Games. Uh, Friday night, 5.30 game, Big Ten Network. Uh, Cappy was saying before, sounds like Fred Pletch will be on the call there. Um, Saturdays not on regular TV. It's a 4 p.m. start. It'll be on BTN Plus streaming only. So probably a student crew, but hey, get to see it. But uh, thoughts on the actual games themselves here? I think for Minnesota, they're going to be making some changes to their forward groups. I'm interested to see what that looks like. Minnesota's dealing with a couple illnesses that have come in, a couple bumps and bruises after their start to the season so i don't expect to see any big surprises with things but it's going to be interesting to see what bob does i think he wants to get cooley a little more comfortable on the ice mm-hmm. i think he wants to get Huglin contributing a little bit more offense i think he's playing okay but it's just not leading to productivity so i think that's something they're looking to do i think brody lamb has been a surprise for minnesota this season you know they weren't even planning to bring him in this year until bros left, you know, and that opened up a spot and Bob said, you know what, we're not going to have you spend another year in green Bay. We've got a spot for you if you want to take it. And so he's been a nice surprise. 
think Charlie Strobel has been a surprise. So trying to figure out how to fit those guys on lines where they can be productive is going to be important. And the other thing is the penalty kill. It has not looked good the last couple times out. It's not good. Yeah. You know, North Dakota really took advantage of Minnesota. One, getting them out of their rotations at the top of the zone. And two, beating them at the net. You know, there there were guys attacking the net and they were just getting outnumbered. And Minnesota was not clearing the puck on the chances where they had to make clears. So I think those are some big points of emphasis. You know, Bob doesn't want to work on the penalty kill in games, obviously, but it's going to happen from time to time. <laughs> what does Ohio State need to do to win this weekend, Cappy? Uh, play better at home against Minnesota. I think maybe <laughs> they're happy that I think they're happy that they're getting the home series in the first half of the year because the last. I don't know. I can't remember three, four years. It's always been the reverse where they played at Minnesota early and they'd have that February series at Ohio state and Minnesota would come in and take at least four points. It seemed like most, you know, last year they swept them. They just got on that roll. That was when that Pitlick, Huglin, and I think it was Lucius line just lit them up. Uh, if I recall, at least in the one game, Pitlick had a couple goals in, in one of the games. Um, you know that if if Minnesota's struggling, there the Buckeyes are gonna have to score on the power play, and they've been as consistent as I can remember in the last three or four years on the power play. You know, early in the season, eight games in, you know, Mason Lorai is a cap. You know, he he captains that power play. He's he's a he's a first round talent. He's a stud um, with the puck back there. And Wise Wise can score a power play goal. And and this freshman uh, Stephen Halliday, who I mentioned, is a sniper. You know, he's only got two, but they're both power play goals so far. He's got seven assists. Uh, he's got some hands on him. He's he's a guy that he wants the puck, you know, on that side wall or that that hop top of the circle on his – he's a left-handed shot, so on that right circle. Um, and then, you know, Dobish, is, Dobish has got to be good, obviously. I mean, that's, you know uh, – but Minnesota's got so much coming out. You say they're, they're trying to find their lines. I'm like – they remind me of Ohio State is where I think anybody can score. They have depth that way, but then they have these ultra ridiculous talent guys too that hasn't come every game, and it, it will be interesting Friday, and that's why I have a certain prediction for the series, but it, it is tough. It's going to be tough for the Gophers, I think, coming down from such an emotional, especially Saturday night's game and the highs and lows and the roller coasters there, but the Buckeyes, the power play is going to be big, especially like you said, if Minnesota's struggling on the PK and then, you know, Dobish and Nets. I mean, that's, you know, just kind of, that's going to be every game. Someone asked me a game where Ohio State needs to be successful. Dobish plays well. <laughs> well, then let's hear that prediction. <laughs> what do you think? What are the point oh, distributions yeah. this weekend? Uh, I think, I think the game will go to overtime on Friday or yeah. First game one, the game will go to overtime and then, what we're playing three on three, so who knows? I'll say Ohio State wins in overtime, and then I think the Gophers take game two. Okay, they're just just from what I've seen, it's very early. They played six games. I just think that that decor is just elite, and they have enough scoring up front that it's going to happen. And Justin Close is a really solid goal. He's exactly what this type of team needs. Um, I just think uh, right now it's going to be great hockey. I think again. And the only way I see, uh, you know, the Buckeyes maybe splitting is if if Minnesota comes out and, like you said, they're you know they're just drained a little bit on Friday night after yeah. that series. 
What about you, Biggs? Boy, I'm I'm nervous about Friday's game. Oh. Just you know, the kind of the energy around the the team and the program, and some illness creeping in. I think it's definitely like that trap game kind of feel where they are probably going to be making some uncharacteristic mistakes. They're going to be on the kill. There could be some bad goals around the net, things like that for Minnesota when they're going up against a very veteran Ohio State team that I think is going to play pretty steady. I could see Minnesota out shooting them like 40 to 20 or something like that and and kind of controlling play, but I, I don't think they're going to come out with the win on Friday. I think Ohio State steals the first one, and then I think Minnesota is going to get a little bit of a tough film session Saturday morning and play much stronger on Saturday, much more disciplined, and that's just what I think, and I think we'll see a split. I'm, I'm kind of thinking along the lines of you, Cappy, but with Minnesota winning in overtime Friday night, and I'm just trying to get back to Mr. Positivity, positivity and saying five points for the Gophers, which still puts them behind Ohio State in the standings. But you're going to talk games in hand in October? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously what's going to happen is Minnesota's going to win 6-2 to two on Friday and the Buckeyes yep. are going to win 3-2 to two on Saturday. Just like we thought last <laughs> weekend, Biggs. Remember when we had uh, Brad on? You know, it's going to be a wide-open game Friday night, but they'll hunk- hunker down Saturday. Yep, kind of the opposite happened. I think they played real structure, and then they just couldn't help themselves on Saturday. But I, I, I think that's what we'll see. You know, I, I'm you not going to say. Go ahead, yeah, Jeff. I mean, I guess the. I sorry, I guess the one thing I'll say is that you know, like I just said, Minnesota's got some good vibes of playing in that building, and that, and with a lot of those same players back, especially the D. Like Jackson Lacombe has played really well there. Johnson has played well there. And then, like I said, Huglin and Pitlick last year as young freshmen, they were kind of like their coming out party a little bit. You saw Pitlick score a couple of really nice goals. That, you know, you walk into certain buildings. You know, I had a couple of those when I played. Notre Dame was a dump, but it was a, I had a great games there. So I loved going into that place. Miami, Ohio is that. Guys go into buildings that they, you know, maybe feel a little extra juice because they remember, oh, I had some good games here before. So that could be a factor, I think, for uh, the Gophers. And I think we'll see Hewlett and Pitlick together this weekend. I think that's a, a pairing that works going forward. They're both players who do very well controlling the puck along the wall and then coming off the wall to make offense. And I think you pair those two guys together, you got something going there. Agreed, 100%. Thanks for coming on with us again, Cappy. You got it. I'll, I'll so see you guys so in so December. Fun. Well, you'll see me in December. No, oh, you coming to a, to Most, do a broadcast? No, over? no, m- mostly studio stuff for uh-huh. me this year is what it looks like. Uh, but oh, one thing I guess I'll say it now is we're still on the podcast. If you want to, I'm I'll be on Big Ten today tomorrow via Zoom, and we'll we'll do like a I think we're gonna like a ten or twelve minute preview of the the Big Ten season, and All right. and then at the and at the end we'll get a little preview of the game Friday night. Um, Beat that out tomorrow's you, Big Ten you, today. You gotta so. know when you're gonna be on because I can flip on this. I'll, I'll, I'll pop it on there, you know, an hour before the show or so tomorrow morning. Perfect. But yeah, look for that. Make sure you get the palm trees in the background tomorrow as well. Well, the sun when the sun's out, I'll try to get the window in the. In Don't the you have a remote set up at the golf course before your tea uh, time, where you can just do it? I, I should, shouldn't I? I mean, yeah. just. I should put it. I should put my phone up on the cart on the inside and just drive the cart and talk. Pull out, 
pull, hit a shot, keep talking. Really obnoxious golf outfit, really bright colors. I'm not that guy. I I can't do that. I'd make fun of that guy. I'd be a hypocrite if I was that guy, too. Well, anyway, thanks for coming on, man. It's always great. Yeah, man. Vigs, you got anything? Still working on my stuff. It's been a busy week for me, so I'm I'm deep into might and squirt practices right now. So Ooh, we'll get there. Ramping up. <laughs> yeah, season's coming up. We're getting our schedule next week. So. What do you mean season's coming up? They're just starting. Oh yeah, youth hockey. Youth hockey. We're just getting on. Just getting underway. Minnesota's weird like that. They have the best yeah, players. High school doesn't start till maybe, like. I know. I, mean, right? I I talked I talked to my friends in the Chicagoland area there, and they're full. They played ten games in the like yeah, middle. That's not high school. Is it? No, I know. I'm just saying youth hockey. I'm talking about community youth model. Youth How we do it? And, uh, it's wild. I think yeah. it's wild. It's it's so much. Anyways, oh, it's all good. Well, <laughs> that's gonna do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. Um, want to thank again Paul for joining us this week. It's always great to have him on. We're taking next week off, mostly because it's my birthday, and I I want the week off. So, and I'm turning fifty. But... Wow. So we'll be back in two weeks. We'll recap this, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that Notre Dame series that will also happen in between. Uh, for those of you currently watching live, stay tuned for some overtime. For the rest, you will see you next time on the GPL Podcast.